0: listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Kelowna. For more information about our church, please visit harvestkelowna.ca. In turning your Bibles to Judges, the book of Judges, we are starting a three to four week series on taking a look at Gideon. And Gideon is Um, Someone that we are going to know quite well, encourage you as I encourage you in the weekly email to be taking a look at um, the life of Gideon in in chapters 6 to 8, kind of get ready for the study that we are going to be doing with him and just see how God used him and um, just take a, a very solid overview of his life. Question for you this morning. What would you do if you had no fear? What would you do if you weren't afraid? Would you maybe try skydiving? You thought, you know, skydiving would be pretty cool, but there's just no way I would do that. Or maybe it's whitewater rafting. Or um, you know what I would do if I was not afraid? Maybe this would be you. I'd tell my boss off. I'd give my boss a piece of my mind. (laughs) Sorry, you may not have that much left afterwards, but, you know, maybe maybe it's just like if I wasn't afraid of the consequences, I'd let him know, you know, kind of just, you know, where things are at. Maybe if you weren't afraid, you would quit your job. Maybe you would take a different job if you weren't afraid. Maybe if you weren't afraid, you would go to the doctor. You don't want to go to the doctor because you don't like doctors. Or, um, or maybe it would you would end the relationship that just isn't right, but you're afraid. You're afraid of isolation or, or of loneliness or of rejection. You're fearful of what others might say or might think. Another question, what would you do for God if you weren't afraid? Would you speak up more? about him at work, but you're kind of afraid. You know, you don't want to be marginalized. You don't want to be labeled. You don't want to be seen as one of these Jesus freak kind of people. Would you step up and serve in a particular area, but you think, oh no, I I I can't do that. I'm afraid. I I don't know if I would do that. How about trusting God with your financial resources and tithing or giving sacrificially to his work? It's just like, no, I'm afraid because you know I need I need a certain amount of money that I need to live on. And or I'd commit myself to something 100%. You're kind of given just half-hearted commitment because you're afraid of just what might happen if you get committed. Or maybe if you weren't afraid, you would come clean about your past and get help. Well, today we're going to look at a man who was definitely afraid. Um, he, he was struggling with fear. and in, in, in fact, his, I think I'm just going to try to move this a little bit out of the, the sun and uh, just make it a little easier. I trust that works. Um, we're going to look at a man by the name of Gideon. I already told you that, that we're going to look at him and he is stuck. In fact, he is stuck. In fear he 's stuck in a hole. we find him today stuck in a hole in the ground, literally and also figuratively and here he is he 's stuck in this hole, no joy, no peace, just trying to do whatever it takes to survive and I think that oftentimes we can also be living in a hole, a hole of fear, a hole of of, of concern about the future and there 's no joy and no peace and 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 maybe it's it 's you know what just this overwhelming fear that keeps us from sleeping at night. And and maybe it's fear of of a certain person or individual or that person who's making your life a living nightmare and making life very difficult. Or or maybe it's for a child or a loved one who's on a dangerous path and you're just so fearful of what might come to them and and what just the circumstances that are already going on and what could happen in the future. You've spoken to them, you've prayed, you're pleading. Maybe it's the diagnosis of an illness and the road ahead doesn't look very good. Maybe it's losing your job. I just talked to a guy just, just even last night who, who just recently, he was getting ready to head out on holidays. He lives in northern British Columbia. Just the day they're heading out on his holidays, the boss phoned and said, you're done. Your job, you're laid off. And so he's starting holidays with, with his family and he's realizing, I think I need to move. Need to move from where I'm living. There's no more work and I've got to relocate and I've got to relocate a family and there's family issues and, and it's easy to become overwhelmed and become fearful and wondering, what do we do now? Just watch the news at night. Or maybe you don't watch the news at night because you want to sleep, because you just see what's going on in our world. You look at the economic and the political uncertainty. You l- listen every morning and you hear oil prices dropping, 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 and you know how that affects our, our, our economy. And you hear the Canadian dollar dropping, 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 and you think, I can't go cross-border shopping anymore, it's just getting too expensive, and and, and then you, you look at what's going on in our world with ISIS and terrorism and, and just the threat that it's getting harder for Christians to be able to take a stand. We see just kind of this, this implosion of what's happening and you watch the news, you read the news, and you can easily become very paralyzed with fear. Just even over the last few weeks, I've heard of Christian people that some of them I know personally, others I've heard of, their friends of friends that are storing up ammunition because they believe ammunition is going to be the new currency in the next number of years. And so he's, he's stockpiling ammunition in, in, in the ground, in wherever, any extra money it's going to do this because he, he just believes this is going to happen. There are others who are pulling their, their financial resources out of financial institutions and I don't know, putting them. In their mattresses. So, if you know of people like that, let me know. Um, maybe we'll pay a, a home visit, you know, and, and just see how things are for them, you know. Uh, I mean, just a lot of different things that, that you, you hear, and people get stuck in these holes, and it can, can become so paralyzing. And so, today, as we start this series in Gideon, about Gideon in the book of Judges, we're going to see a very ordinary guy trying to just take care of business, trying to provide for his family. But he is stuck and he is fearful just like all the people around him. And these circumstances have caused him to live in incredible fear. And just wondering what the road ahead for him and his family might look like. And so, in Judges chapter 6, you read about Gideon right through to chapter 8, but you also see him listed in Hebrews 11. You see him in the New Testament, the other end of the Bible, and he's listed as a hero of faith, a man who did great things for God. And in the coming weeks, we're going to see how with an army of 300 soldiers being outnumbered 450 to 1, he defeated the Midianite army. Like, it was amazing what he was able to do in the power of God. And he he was definitely not a hero hero, especially where we find him today. In fact, he was the exact opposite of a hero, of a faith-filled guy. He's full of fear. But listen to this statement. You might want to write it down. God does not reward courage with a calling. He creates courage within a calling. God's not going to make us courageous and then he calls us to do something. He calls us And as we take those steps forward, as we take the steps of obedience, that is when the courage starts to build. And that's what we're going to see going into next week and and into the following weeks. We see what God does in his life. But today we're going to look at three truths that Gideon discovered there in that hole in the ground. And in the hole that you might find yourself in today or the hole that you might find yourself in a few weeks from now or a few months from now. I trust that these truths would be so important. So I encourage you to be writing down these these important truths that we're going to talk about today. And even though God's word was written a a few thousand years ago, it is still relevant to us today. It is the infallible, the inerrant, totally relevant word of God for us today. And that's why we turn to it. That's why we, we, we read it and we take and we apply it to our lives here at Harvest. And here is the overriding truth. encourage you to write it down. You can even put up the first slide because it's there and you can copy it down. This is something that Gideon will hear when he's down in the pit. He hears these words. The Lord is with you. Folks, you need to know this. The Lord is with you. He is with you today. This is a truth for each one of us. And here, as we go into the next truth, it's when life seems hopeless, we ought to trust him. When life seems hopeless we ought to trust him let's read in verse 11 of judges chapter 6 now the angel of the lord came and sat under the terebinth at oprah which belonged to joash the abiezrite while his son gideon was beating out wheat in the winepress to hide it from the midianites now why is gideon in a winepress beating out some wheat because he's afraid if we are just to recap the first 11 verses here, we see that because of disobedience, the Israelites have wandered away from God. And the nation of Israel, they were in extreme poverty and completely powerless because of this group of people called the Midianites who would come and just take whatever they wanted from them. The Midianites were, were desert people. They were wanderers, but over the years, over the decades, they were building, they were reproducing more and more and became a very powerful Uh, group of people in verse 5 the Midianites are described as devouring locusts now that is now I'm getting bugged by a bug here this morning but um, a devouring locust we're going to talk how many kids how how many kids like grasshoppers I think they're pretty cool how many of you ever caught a grasshopper even grown-ups how many of you have ever caught a grasshopper yeah okay how many of you have ever eaten a grasshopper Come on, put your hand up. Okay, few of you. They are delicious with a little chocolate. They're a little chewy, a little crunchy. But I have uh, enjoyed some grasshoppers in my lifetime. And, uh, and especially with a little ketchup and mustard, they are amazing. But, you know, but but here they're described, the Midianites, as devouring locusts. Now, now one grasshopper is pretty cute. You know, you can you can catch it. You can, you know what, you see them flying. Yesterday I went for a bike ride in the back country and saw a good number of grasshoppers, you know what, flying around. Um, but if you go on to the next pictures, if they're a swarm of them, they can become a devouring group of locusts that can just wipe out an entire field. Growing up, spending my summers on a farm in Saskatchewan, it was amazing. It seemed like they would come in certain cycles, the good old grasshoppers, and they would be able to come and they would clean out a crop. It would be so discouraging to see this beautiful field of wheat, and then the grasshoppers just slowly move in, and like devouring locusts, they just take it over and they just leave, the, just, just leave these stems, and that's all that's left. In fact, on our farmyard, which is usually always a little greener, and some of you who grew up on the prairies could even attest to this, that you would go walking and there would just be grasshoppers that would just be be flying out from all around you and sometimes you have to keep your mouth clean shut because otherwise if you're talking or yawning, one might even come flying into your mouth because there would be so many. That's what the Midianites were described as, as not just one locust, not just one little grasshopper, but as devouring because they would come in, they would come into the Israelite cities, they would come to wherever they were and they would just help themselves to food, to animals, to, to their women, to whatever it was. They just took whatever they wanted and so a lot of the Israelites were living in fear, they were hiding in caves, they were making caves. in in the rock just to try to escape and just to try to hold on to life that's life getting pretty bad pretty extreme and this is the kind of life that Gideon was facing and so what he was doing was down in a wine press. We have a picture of a wine press and, and, and what this would look like. A wine press is kind of a hole that is cut out of the ground, or sometimes they would find a natural kind of hole in the rock. They would put the wine uh, or the grapes in there, and then they would just start pressing them out, and they would then scoop up the, the juice that would, they would get from there. It was a hole in the ground. This is not the ideal place to be threshing wheat. Threshing wheat Go on to the next picture is more in an open area where the wind can blow. You kind of put some rocks around there to just kind of hold things in place. But as they they take the, the nice ripe... Um Stems or stalks of wheat, and as they're banging them on the ground, and different sort of instruments that they would use, the wind would blow the chaff and and blow it away, and and they would be able to work at it much better. But this was out in the open; it would be too dangerous to be showing these crazy Midianite people that you have a supply of wheat. They wait till you're all done and you've scooped it all up, and you've take want to take it to your tent and 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 make some food and make some bake some bread out of the flour. And that the Midianites would be there. So where's Gideon? He's hiding in the. Wine mine-pressed threshing out wheat. And it would be, it just wasn't the proper place to be doing that, but he was taking care of business. He was desiring to care for his family. And this is, the Midianites were like this to the Israelites. They just devoured. They took whatever they wanted. And so in verse 6 of chapter 6, we see the Israelites are crying out to God. You cry out to God when you're facing overwhelming circumstances? Of course you do. And they're saying, God, help us, help us. Send, us, send us a deliverer, send us someone to help us. You know what God sent them? A prophet. We don't need a prophet, we need a warrior, we need a commander, we need somebody to come and, and, and take on these, these Midianites. You've done it before, God, you need to do it again, we need some help here, but it wasn't coming. This is, this is like, you know what, you call for a tow truck to come and help you, and a p- pizza delivery guy shows up. It's just like, uh, you're not going to help me. I need a boost. I don't need, well, I could, that pizza might be nice, but it's not what I need right now. It, and so the Israelites are calling out to God for help. They're, they're, they're asking him to send someone to them, and he gives them a prophet. And God tells them, you've wandered from God. You've wandered away from God. And so the Israelites are going through life. He's, and, and God is calling Israel, wake up. You're paying the price for wandering away from God. And yet God in his love calls, he already has a plan in place. As they're calling out to God and as they're getting a lecture, as they're hearing from the prophet, God has a plan in place for them. God has a plan in place for your deliverance. God has a plan in place for your fear. For the hole that you're in, he has a plan to get you out of there. And so here is Gideon doing the best that he can, providing for his family. He doesn't want to get caught. He's just going about, just working at, working at this, just wanting to care for his family. So he's pounding out grain in the wine press. And then it's there one day as he is, is pounding it out. In verse 12, we see, and you can read this along, you can follow along as I read. He says, because he hears words that would change his life forever. And folks, these are words that can change our lives. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, the Lord is with you, mighty man of valor. The Lord is with me? He's with me here in this hole? First of all, who are you and what, man of valor? I mean, he's looking around, is there somebody else in here that he's looking at and sees as a mighty man of valor? I'm not a mighty man of valor, I'm a wimp. I'm in the, I'm in the wine press, I'm scared for my life. I, I don't have any, you know what, uh, courage or strength. And and if this was a stage play and you were to see this being acted out on, on a stage somewhere, everyone would have giggled at this point because they would have said, he's not a mighty man of valor, he's a wimp. You've got to be kidding. You know what valor means? The word valor means strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness. Is that Gideon? Absolutely not. He doesn't have firmness and, 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 and ready to, to embrace whatever that comes. He's just ducking for cover. And, and we're going to see that even a little later on in the story. He, he was struggling with fear. He's hiding in a wine press. I mean, Gideon was no I mean, he was no Jack Bauer. He was no Ethan Hunt. He was no Chuck Norris or, or Jason Bourne. He was none of those kind of guys. I mean he was a wimp hiding out in the wine press. And Gideon finds out, though, and we will see that his mightiness would not come from his strength and from his power. Not just like building enough, you know what, kind of like, mm, within him. And not by hitting the gym. That's not where his power and strength would come from. But it would come from direct, complete obedience and dependency on the Lord. You know what the cool thing is about this passage? You know how the Lord sees you today? The Lord sees you... And though you may not feel like this one little bit, just, just, just cancel out the feelings and go to the truth of God's word. He doesn't see you as a wimp. He doesn't see you as someone full of fear. He sees you and he sees me as a mighty man. sees you as a mighty woman. sees you as a mighty teenager, a mighty child of valor. And you might laugh just like no doubt Gideon was probably chuckling into his beard when he heard that statement. But you see, Satan is called the accuser of the brethren. And he will start with who you are and what you've done. And he will try to define you by that. You're a coward. You're a reject. You're a failure. You're a loser. You don't have strength. Those are the words that we often hear in our heads. We don't hear the words, you are a mighty man, a mighty woman, a mighty teenager of valor. God's word declares you as a person of power and strength. But you say, but I'm not like that. I don't have that. Show it to me, please. Well, Gideon kind of needed to have it shown to him as well, which is going to happen. You see, so oftentimes we see failure, God sees victory. We see weakness, God sees strength. We see inability and God sees ability. We may think we're cowards, losers, failures, messed up as a parent. I've messed up in my job. I've messed up in my finances. I've messed up in not caring for my body and now look at what I'm facing. And, and you know how God sees us? He sees us as righteous, as saints, as joint heirs, as mighty, sons and daughters. He considers us friends. That's our God. Romans 8.37, write this down, go to the bank on it. Romans 8.37 says we are more than conquerors. We can overcome. You say, well, I sure don't feel like it, especially today. I'm pretty tired. Folks, you need to read it. You need to believe it. This is not just simply me pumping you up. This is simply not the power of positive thinking. And this is knowing your true identity in Christ. Understanding fully what Christ has done for you. His love for you has been so extreme that he went to the cross. To die on the the cross for your sin, for my sin. That is love. And that is how he sees, God sees us. He sees us through the lens of his son. And what his son has done for us. This is a reality for all who have personally, individually trusted Jesus Christ for your salvation. This isn't just for a ritualistic kind of religious person. This is for someone who has a relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you know him in a personal way? Have you invited Christ to come in to be your Lord and your Savior? That is absolutely crucial. In order to know God's power and strength in this way. John 3.16 I mean, one of the most familiar Bible verses worldwide. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. And that his son took the punishment that we deserve. But you know, that word believes just isn't a head knowledge or, you know... It's not as simple as putting a like on something on Facebook or, you know, a a little heart, you know, sort of thing on Instagram. That's That's not what we're talking about. Yeah, I like Jesus. I believe in him. That word believe is much deeper than that. That word believe means you trust in, you rely on, you cling to. That's what that word believe means. Do you believe in Jesus in that way? You rely on him, you trust him, you cling to him. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, you can do that today. would love to talk to you afterwards. When life seems hopeless, the Lord is with you. And our response is, trust Him. First point. Second point. When you have questions, and you will, life will cause you to ask a lot of questions. You need to turn to Him. In verse 13 here, I encourage you to, to, to look at it in your Bibles. Gideon seems a little ticked here at this statement, a little sarcastic to this angelic guest that is with him here in the wine press, and and he says, please, sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the wonderful deeds that our fathers recounted to us, saying, did not the Lord bring us back from Egypt? God did all that in the past. Where is he now? Hello, we can't find him. But now the Lord has forsaken us and given us into the hand of the Midianites. You know what he has just done here, Gideon? I mean, his big mouth has just opened up a huge can of worms. Because Gideon asks the two most universal questions that get asked over and over again. And no doubt you have asked these questions over and over again in your life. God, why? And God, where are you? God, why did this happen to me? Why did that friend betray me? Why did I lose my job? Why did that loved one die? God, where are you? I thought you were in control of things. I thought that your word said that you would take care of me, that you would give me all my needs. Yeah, he promises to take care of all our needs. The only problem is that many times we think our needs are our needs, but they're really our greeds. God promises to take care of our needs, not our greeds. All of us have felt this way. A dear friend of mine. Um, talked to him from time to time. He lives in uh, out east. He was growing up as a teenager in a single parent home. And... One day he had a huge fight with his mother. A lot of yelling took place. It was very unhealthy. And, and there was just this very angry exchange. And and so then the mother jumped in the car. And she took off. And, and uh, they lived out of town a little ways. And she just got in the car and took off. And left him and his brother and his sister with him. And, and, and she took off just to cool down. She never returned. She was killed in a car accident. Head on collision. Gone. So left three teenagers without a mother and she was a single parent mom. When I met him a number of years later, he basically thought that that he he still he, he showed up in our church and yet he thought I've committed the unpardonable sin. I have crossed the line because when that happened, I blasphemed God, I blasphemed... He says, I knew all the right words to say, and I said them, and I was so mad at God, I was so angry, I couldn't understand why. I gave it to God, I couldn't stand Him... And I told my friend, I said, just the fact that you have a heart towards God, a repentant heart, it shows you have not committed the unpardonable sin. That God has never, He will not forsake you. He, your heart is not hard. His heart was soft, and His heart continues to be so soft towards the things of God, and He would experience that forgiveness. That was some hole that He lived in for a very, very long time. Do you know Job in the Bible? Uh, one of my friends uh, did some of the research on this, and, and and I haven't gone through all of these listings. Did you know that Job, the guy who lost everything, I mean, had it all, lost everything? I mean, he through the book of Job, he asked God over three hundred questions, and most of them were why, and God, where are you? What's going on here? And even, why did you give me these friends? Because his friends weren't even that much help oftentimes. God, why don't you get rid of my... I mean, he asked all these questions. You know how many answers he got from God? Zero. God can handle our doubts. He can handle our questions, even our anger. Over the years, Charlotte and I have been married and we've been involved in ministry together through life, through ministry, through different things we've walked through a lot of different traps, a lot of different circumstances, a lot of different difficult seasons in our lives that have left us confused and hurting and questioning, at times very raw, very hurt, very angry. God, why? God, where were you? God, help. God, I thought that I was supposed... You know, all of these different things. But there are so many things that we don't understand about God and His ways. And you know what? Sometimes our questions will get answered. And sometimes they won't get answered, and yet he is still God. And I am so thankful that many times God hasn't answered my prayers. That he has another plan in place for us that I could not see earlier on. At the end of the day, with all of our doubts, with all of our confusions, when we can't understand the ways of God, we need to understand the heart of God. And the heart of God is that He loves us. That he cares for us. That he's a plan for our lives. And so look at verse 14. Just as Gideon is firing off these questions, I I just love this part because this is the part when you're watching the movie and if this was a screenplay or, or, or on the big screen, it would be pretty amazing because here he's listing off these questions and then all of a sudden Gideon just gets quiet. Because it's at the point in the movie where everything seems hard and hopeless and there's no way out that that's when the superhero shows up and you go... It's all going to be okay. Well, look at what happens in verse 14. It's at this point in verse 14, it says, And the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours and save Israel from the hand of Midian. Here is the Lord turning his face to him, looking at him square in the face, and he says, Go in this might. Go in this power and this strength. I With you, Gideon. This angel, you thought it was an angel up until this time, you know who it was? It was Jesus Christ. It was Jesus Christ that was there with him. This is what you call a Christophany. This is a a number of occasions in the Old Testament before Jesus Christ came to earth, like he did in Bethlehem um, 2,000 years ago. This is when Jesus would show up in certain times to certain people. This was the pre-incarnate Jesus, if you want to call it that. Um, and, and this is before he came to earth as the little baby. And, um, and here he showed himself to Gideon. Jesus showed up to Gideon there in the wine press. I know exactly what some of you are even maybe even thinking right now. Well, that sure would be nice if he showed up to me now. Showed up to Gideon, and if you say he's with me and all of this stuff... Why doesn't he show up to me? I could use a little Jesus in my life right now. Folks, I want to tell you, he has shown up. And he continues to show up in your life. Because of Jesus coming to this earth, because of Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ is with us through the person of the Holy Spirit. Jesus shows up to us through the living word of God. He shows up over and over again. This word is active. It's alive. It has got to be the most treasured resource that we have in our homes. And it's oftentimes not. Our phones, our bank accounts, our our toys, our pleasures, our house are the most treasured things in our home. It's the word of God. This has got to be the most treasured thing because it is Jesus revealing himself to us. Speaking to us through his word. I love like... One of the, the comments that gets mentioned around here, and the first time I heard it was from one of our, uh, the folks here in our church. They say, you want to hear the voice of God? You want to hear God speak? Read his word. If you still can't hear him, read it louder. And you'll hear God speak to you. He will, through his word. Another way that he speaks is through his body, through the body of Christ. Brothers and sisters that Christ brings into our lives. That's why church, that's why church is to be a family. That is why we are to walk with one another for help, encouragement, accountability. Jesus shows up here to Gideon and he is shown up to us. He shows up through the body of Christ, through the hands and feet of Jesus we get to see in those around us. Yet Gideon still had a few questions. Verse 15, look, at he still has some questions going on here. He's saying, but please, Lord, how can, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm the least in my father's household. Basically, he's saying... I'm a weak nobody. There is just no way this can happen. And this takes us to truth number three that we see here. When filled with insecurity, we need to follow him. When we're filled with insecurity, and the Lord said to him, verse 16, underline these words because these are words that are for you here today. But I will be with you. He will be with us. And you shall strike the Midianites as one man. It would be the Lord that would lead him every step of the way. He needed to simply follow the instructions as they would come. In the same way we are to follow the instructions as God gives them to us through his word, through his Holy Spirit as he speaks to us. You know what? Every one of us here has insecurities. All of us do. If we were to sit down one-on-one, put our chairs across from each other, and we just got real and started to say, here's my insecurities, here are my fears, all of us would have some of those some of those fears and insecurities will lead to sleepless nights. It will lead to us overcompensating in different ways for those insecurities. But let's take another look at the wine press. These words here in this picture of the wine press might easily describe Gideon. I think that, that you would say that he was no doubt weary, he was overwhelmed, he felt inadequate, there was self doubt, full of fear, he was stressed, he was weak. Those would be traits very real for Gideon. And you know what? Those are traits that would be very real here in this room in each one of our lives. You say, that's my life to a T. All of those. Maybe some of you, it's, it's just one or two of those. Or just wait a little while and some of those could become more of a reality in your life. You know, it's, it's those words describe how oftentimes we can be. And at times it's easier us to believe these insecurities rather than the truths of who we are in Christ. We're going to see in the coming weeks that because of this encounter, that Gideon wasn't made instantly strong. He didn't walk out of the wine press, you know, like, you know, the superhero who's now been given superhuman strength. He, he doesn't, he's still, no doubt, crawling out of the wine press. And we're going to see next week that he actually, you know what, He's, he's still a little on the wimpy side. He's still, you know what, God, you know, like, am I really? I mean, he's still filled with fear. It wasn't like it was an instant, like, on button and everything was fine. But we're going to see how God built that strength in his life. You see, folks, the greatest work that you do with your life, with how many years the Lord may grant you to live, it's not going to be in the amount of money you make. It's not going to be the credentials behind your name it's not going to be the great invention that maybe you were a part of or a great work or a church that you helped to plant that that's not the most important work it's not going to be the ministries that you led for years and years and even got little pins to to even you know what just you know what show honor and 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 all that you've done not going to be the money that you've given to the Lord's work or how successful you are or, or the children that you raise and, and, you know, that, you know, in the end they, they turned out well. So, you know, that's, that's not the most important work. The most important work that we can do with our lives today in the days ahead, weeks ahead, months ahead is to keep our eyes fixed On Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith. That is what we are to give ourselves towards. Keeping our eyes on him, looking at the cross. The cross was enough. When we see his love, his sacrifice, when we get hurt, when we get burned, when we get cheated, we look to the cross because we look at someone, Jesus, who was hurt, who was beaten, who was betrayed. And there was a resurrection. That there is a resurrection when there is is a surrender and there is a death. Everything flows out of that in our lives. When life is good and we're on the mountaintop and we're just soaring with the birds because life is so wonderful, stay humble and thankful and grateful. Don't live in fear and think, oh no, you know it's, it's good right now, but I'm sure it's going to get bad. No, don't, don't live like that. It may happen. You may enjoy a great season in life. A great season in work, a great season in, 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 in family. Enjoy it and be thankful, but don't become proud. One of the things we're going to see later on, the thing that, that was a huge hindrance to Gideon, and this is a huge hindrance to churches, to pastors, to Christians, is pride. And we see what pride can... Pr- when pride enters the door, that's when the Lord just steps out and he says, okay, we're going to get into that down the road here, but this is why, if life is good, be thankful, be filled with praise, remain humble and grateful to God. Don't start to believe your own press clippings when life goes well. When we're in the pit, if you're in the pit today, we need to discover these timeless truths of who we are in Christ, knowing that the Lord is with us. in recap, when life seems hopeless, we must trust Him. With our questions when we have those questions, and we will have those questions, we need to turn to him. With our insecurities, keep following him. He's got a plan. He's going to lead you out. He's going to lead you through it. He's not going to lead you around it. So oftentimes we want to go around the difficult stuff in life. The story we heard before of one of our Harvest family folks from down east, and, and, and that, that it was through the storm of cancer that brought them closer to God. Wouldn't exchange that for anything because of the closeness he experienced. We often try to avoid the pits. God has a plan to meet us there, right in the pit of life. And I also wonder today how many people are waiting on the other side of your obedience, who are waiting for you to get out of the pit, to start believing who God says you are, and start living that? And even though your life might be crumbling and falling apart and you feel like the loser and you wonder how in the world is this ever going to work out for God's glory, but you're real about that and you're real about the struggle and you allow people to speak into your life and you allow God to to work in and through you, he's going to lead you through. And he's going to give you that peace and that presence that you need. How many of us today are in the wine press today and we're hiding and hurting and questioning Jesus shows up to you in that press. He shows up to you in that hole. He says, follow me. I've got a plan. And that plan is good. We're going to see the plan for Gideon in the weeks ahead. Amazing. Amazing what he does. And that can be the same truth and reality in our lives here. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, may we be reminded that whatever that we are facing, that you are with us. Thank you that before we could ever turn towards you, you turned yourself towards us. That while we were yet sinners, you died. Thank you that you are with us. You will never leave us. You will never forsake us. I pray for brothers and sisters here today that are finding themselves in the pit of fear today, of anxiety For family member, for health, for finances, for a job, for certain situations that just seem so hopeless and out of control. Lord, may they know that you are there with them. But we need to turn to you. We just can't keep going about our work as normal. We need to turn to you. We need to turn to your word. We need to turn to the body of Christ, to brothers and sisters who can love us and stand with us and support us and encourage us. But we also need there to be need to be there for others as well. Father, I pray that you would knit together here at Harvest Kelowna a body of believers that is there for one another. Through the good times, we will celebrate and we will be there to pick up the pieces when life is shattered. And I pray for those visiting, perhaps from out of town. And, and uh, Lord, I pray that you would just be their source of strength and that they would take these truths and these realities and apply it to, to their lives. Do it. May we all do that, I pray. Thank you for those that are here today in a great season of life. Thank you, God, for bringing them into a great season. You are a good God, and you love to give good things to your children. We just thank you and we praise you, but we know that moment by moment, day by day, we need to keep our eyes fixed on you, and we need to cry out, Oh, Lord, I need you, I need you every hour, I need you. Pray this in your name.